Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are so glad you joined us, and we have an amazing show this week. We're talking about Let's Take a Moment, and we have a very special guest joining us, Maureen Thompson. And before I introduce Maureen, we have our Anikona Farm Moment well, it's a beautiful day at Anikona Farm here on the Big Island of Hawaii and beautiful Halua Loa right above Kona. We're 2,000 feet up and we, we can see that the coffee trees are starting to grow their green beans and when those will ripen, they'll turn red, then we know we're ready to pick each bean by hand. So wonderful days on the farm and since we're talking today about let's take a moment I wanted to share a special Anikona Farm moment about my grandfather, Colonel Julius from Hungary. And actually, that's one of the reasons we so aspired to have a farm, a coffee farm in Hawaii, was thank you to my grandfather, who when I was a little girl, he would inspire me. He would say, so important to work hard. And then it's really important to take time, to take a moment, to share good moments with your loved ones, with your friends, your family, over a good cup of coffee. And he would have a very strong espresso that he would grind the beans and that aroma on the stove. And so thank you for letting me share that story. So that story inspires us to our show today. Let's take a moment. And we have a very special guest, Maureen Thompson, joining us from Seattle. She's a very experienced counselor. She helps many people with trauma and fear. She has a master's degree in mental health counseling with an emphasis in, on transpersonal psychology and art therapy. And we're so glad you've joined us, Maureen. Thank you for, for being with us. Hi, Aniko. It's so lovely to hear your voice, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Oh, Maureen, it's it's truly an honor, and and thank you for joining us We're, to share stories about the importance about sharing moments and slowing down and taking a moment. And it would be so fun to hear a little bit about your early days, Maureen, of your your career, maybe a little bit of your growing up days. I know you were one of nine children in your family. <laughs> Please share with us, Maureen, some of those early days. Oh, sure. Yes, we were uh, nine children. I was the middle and we grew up in a town called Huntington, New York, and it was about halfway out on Long Island. And, and we, so we were close to lots of beaches, the ocean and the sound, and uh, we spent a lot of time at the beach. Um, my dad, when he was young, was a lifeguard, so he taught us how to swim in the waves. We were pretty proficient from an early age. And that was pretty exciting. And I remember my mom would pack up a big cooler just full of the most delicious sandwiches after a, 
a long day of playing in the sand and the waves to bite into one of those sandwiches was so good. <laughs> and lots of sun cream and um, it, it was just a lot of time in nature. My parents really appreciated the outdoors. And we also went on a lot of camping trips and skiing trips with another family who had 11 children. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yes, the Dashes. And uh, we just loved the Dashes. And we went. We would go camping up to Saranac Lake. And there were canoe trips. And everything we needed for camping had to fit in our canoes. And back then, <laughs> the... Uh, the tent was a canvas, it was an army tent, they called it, and it was green, and it smelled like an army tent. Right. And we'd have to dig a trench around it, and, um, but we had the best time, and we would go from island to island, maybe spend a night on one island, and two nights on another, and three on another, and we were just this whole little village in ourselves, and... <laughs> We'd have campfires and sing around the campfires, and the Dashas were very musical. So they had um, harmonicas and maybe a violin, and um, we'd swim. And I remember the water just was so clean and clear, and you could see the fish, and that's where we bathed. And we'd have our run of this island, all these kids, you know, there might not be anyone else on there. So it was magical. It definitely sounds magical, Maureen. And those lessons from your parents about, first of all, those family times and also being part of nature. How special is that? And of course, the beach. I also know that um, your parents were very good with the nine kids. They were very good about in the evenings taking a moment, uh, maybe over a cup of tea, just mm. to reflect on the day and share with each other. Please share a little bit about that. Yes, as you can imagine, raising nine children keeps um, a mom and dad pretty busy. And... Um, I remember they often got asked, you know, how did you do it? How did you raise nine children? Like, wow. And one of the things they would say is, well, we learned we had to put our relationship first. And I thought that was so wise to make sure that their relationship was taken care of and strong and and harmonious so that they could really be there for us. And one thing they did was after dinner every night, they had their tea time and they would take their moment. They would take an hour in the living room and my dad would put his arm around my mom and they would pour their tea and have their dessert. And for one hour, we were trained and we knew that we could not bother them. That was their time. So I think that set up a great role modeling for um, taking time for each other as a couple. 
Well, that's that's really beautiful, and thank you for sharing that. When when you started thinking about what you wanted to study, Maureen, uh, there in Seattle, and you started attending classes at Antioch University, how did you decide to pursue a master's degree in mental health counseling? Well, I... I, from a young age, I had this sense of, I felt like, I didn't have the words for it, but I felt like I wanted to see more love in the world and less competition. Yes. And I, I really was confused. I was very confused about what was going on and why it was like this, because it did something felt unnatural about it to me. And I think that curiosity never left me about that. And having this vision and this dream that we can do better. Yes. And does there really have to be war? You know, I never fully bought into that. And or believed there's another way and believed in our evolution that we could do better. And I chose Antioch because it's an experiential learning style um, college, university. And I thought that was a good fit for me. And so we really got to go out in the field a lot. And that was very rich. Oh, definitely. Please share with us some of your, sounds like a great experience there um, at Antioch University. What were some of your favorite classes, please? Well, definitely family systems. Um, This was a real eye-opener. Yes. And what I remember most is they're describing families as a mobile, like a mobile um, with the moving parts that move with the breezes. And that one part cannot move without all the other parts moving and that within the overall system, there's always balance. But there can be a lot of imbalance within the system. So say, for example, maybe one person is very reserved emotionally and they don't express much emotion. Um, there's usually someone else that takes up the... I don't want to say the slack, but we'll provide the balance. And maybe yes. someone's more emotional. And we read this book, and it was each chapter was on a different family style. And it started out with the most dysfunctional all the way till the last, which profiled a very healthy family. And one of the things that really stuck with me about that healthy family was that we celebrate the differences. We celebrate the strengths, the different strengths of each person, and we all lift each other up in the places where maybe we're less strong and that it's all about cooperation and collaboration. Yes, the the visual of a mobile really helps us understand what you're describing there and how 
celebrating each other's differences in a family is is really powerful. Were, were you involved mm-hmm. in any counseling research projects around family that you could share, please? Um, well, yes. We Antioch really emphasized multicultural um, aspects in every class that um, foundation was there. And one of the classes, we had to pick a different ethnicity or cultural group and do a research paper on how we would counsel that, per- that person. And um, I picked Native American for that particular project. And I remember learning that people who maybe were new to counseling on a reservation, for example, might be surprised that when their first client comes in, they're expecting just their client, but 12 family members pile in with them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a family team effort. (laughs) Yes. And for the Native population, in this particular tribe, it was, and I think many of the tribes, it was a much more holistic view, again, that mobile approach that to them the concept of if there's one person is having a problem, it's the whole family's problem, and also that you couldn't just counsel one person in the family that just made no sense to them that it is a system and yes. everyone is involved in the pro- problem. And I think marriage and family um, therapists, uh, this is the premise on which they work. And it's, it's uh, very, very, very powerful, I have found. Oh, it's so powerful. Uh, as you were studying and you were working on your various projects, you may have had maybe a favorite little cafe or a place um, that you might grab some tea there close to Antioch. Were there any favorite Seattle cafes, by the way? Yes, I liked, um, well, way back I used to go to the Honey Bear Bakery. I don't know if we have any yes. listeners from Seattle, but it was a favorite, iconic place It had the most amazing bakery products and coffees and large selection of teas. And it was a favorite place of students and actually everybody. There's lots of people from Mollox walks of life in there. And it's very close to Green Lake where I could take a break from studying and go walk around the lake, which is a gorgeous park in the middle of just north of downtown Seattle. And Honey Bear Bakery had this giant wooden bear out front, kind of, I I think it was carved with a uh, chainsaw. (laughs) And um, it had all these antique oak tables and chairs in there, and none of them matched. And it was just so (laughs) quaint and delightful. Um, And one time the bear got stolen. (laughs) Oh, no. And it, it, uh, maybe a frat uh, 
club or something. I don't know. They must have been some strong young men because it was a big bear and they found it. I don't know. <laughs> it, um, floating on the dock at Green Lake or something. It was, it was pretty cute. So uh, everyone was concerned about the bear, but she made her way back home. Oh, as that, bears will. <laughs> what a funny story. That's, a, that's just such a fun story. Well, and you were taking a moment, you were taking time just from your busy day to either take a walk around the lake or or go to Honey Bear Cafe, which is really important. As we are getting close to break, Maureen, we'd love to ask you um, just the importance of taking a moment and slowing down. How would you describe that? Well, um, I think it's very, very, very important um, to take time together just to be with ourselves, first of all. And if we're slowing down and taking a moment with someone, to be really present there for them. And I think it's um, a great gift to... Slow down, pay attention to our hearts, um, to check in with ourselves. What's happening? How am I today? Um, and it's a real gift when we can slow down, take a breath, tune into our heart, and really open our ears and give our undivided attention to someone when we are having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee together, for example, it enables people to, it slows them down, I find, if I slow down, and then they're able to relax. And people start to open up more. And I find that's a real gift. I always feel nourished by that. Yes. And I think there's a real lack of this kind of presence with each other in our society. And I actually think it's very fundamental to many of the problems we're having today. And um, we're social beings, so we're hardwired to connect. And it connecting really means slowing down and taking time and being present. Yes, uh, the way you've described that so beautifully really is inspiring to all of us, Maureen, and to our listeners. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your early days and how you got involved in counseling and some about your coursework. And we are excited to talk a little bit more about the importance of art in your life, Maureen, and how you studied at the Seattle Gage Academy, studied art, right after the break. So please, listeners, join us as we learn a little bit more about um, Maureen's interest in art and how art is important to her life. Please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, 
You're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're talking about the importance of taking a moment, slowing down, being present in the moment, often over a nice cup of tea or coffee. And we have our wonderful guest, Maureen Thompson from Seattle, who is a very experienced counselor and helps many people with trauma and fear. She has a master's degree in mental health counseling. And we were just talking with Maureen about the importance of slowing down. And I know for Maureen, art is very important in your life. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about that and how you lead retreats about meditation into mandala painting. Please tell us about that, Maureen. Oh, thanks for asking. I'd love to share about that. Yes, for me, um, I... Remember, as a child, I could just color in my coloring book for hours on end. Something about it just was very calming and joyous to me. And to this day, I am very happy if I'm pushing colors around with my paintbrush or pens. Um, I just love it. And I I noticed that if I wasn't doing art, like for months at a time, I would start to feel a little dull or a little heavy in my in my emotions. And so I realized for the way I'm wired and the way I'm built and my essence that art is like air and water and food. Yes. I need it. I need to be doing something creative. And one one way that's d- 
developed and the way I like to share that passion with others is through meditation into mandala painting workshops where and a mandala is a meditation tool it there they have shown up throughout history in many 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 indigenous cultures around the world and they may look different from culture to culture but the idea is the same that to gaze upon it helps us to attain enlightenment which is knowledge that which is knowledge that does not come from the mind and and freedom that the freedom that comes with that um, knowing that we are all connected and part of something larger. So the way I start the workshops is I have everyone lie down and get comfortable and put on some beautiful meditation music. And we do an embodiment meditation. And this puts people into a theta brainwave state which is very deeply relaxed state and the mind slows down. You're really in a sensing and feeling mode rather than a thinking mode. And as you're sensing and feeling, this is very effective for slowing down that. We sometimes refer to it as the monkey mind. And so it's like the body's asleep, but the mind is present and aware. And then I have the person think of what color would feel just really satisfying right now if you could bathe your whole body in a certain color or um, if there was a color of a food you were craving that just felt really juicy or have you noticed that you've been craving a color lately? You tend to buy those color clothes or things that um, to pay attention and see what is your body, mind, and spirit craving right now in terms of color. And then I would have them slowly get up and I'd have all the the canvas is laid out and to go to the colors and find that color and then to paint their whole canvas that color and we would start with that and then um, I'd have them pick out a template for a mandala which the designs have to do with which is some kind sometimes called sacred geometry they're patterns that exist in nature when we look very closely through microscopes and sometimes more on the macrocosm too, like in a sunflower, the way the seeds are arranged is the Fibonacci curve or the golden mean. And for some reason, these have a potent effect on our psyche. So they pick a template that just appeals to them, but they're still trying not to use the mind, but more an intuition, what feels, just what makes them feel good or inspires them. And then they trace it on to the canvas, which they've already painted. And then we start to have fun and paint the mandala, fill in the lines any 
with any color she wants, paying attention to your heart. And inevitably, people get in their head or feel like I'm not a good artist or I don't know how to do this or I don't know what color to do this or I did, I think I did the wrong color. And when that happens, I would have them stop and take a breath and shut their eyes and tell me when they could feel their heart beating. And then I would have them ask their heart, what color does it want? Or what color is um, desiring to be here next to that purple or some form of the question, but asking the heart as opposed to the mind because it gets people out of being caught up in those old um, false beliefs that were not artistic. So, um, because we're all creative beings. And what happens is pretty magical in my view. Um, or actually, I, I think it's actually pretty logical that our whole body is kind of a brain and we're just not trained to tune in. So it's really teaching people to tune in to these deeper signals. And what happens is there's breakthroughs and you see people lightening up and really getting into that, as they call it, the zone of play, of the child-like play that is not caught up in the shoulds and the rules and the, you know, comparing. (laughs) Yes. The end result is medicine for the heart. When you hang it on the wall, it actually is medicine for your own heart because it came from your heart. And the the results are beautiful. And I can see the pride and the joy and the deep satisfaction as people leave. And that brings me such joy and deep satisfaction. And I love that they're going home with a healing piece of medicine that came from within themselves. Yes, I love how you say, uh, Maureen, learning to paint from the heart. And I know you formally studied art for, I guess, maybe four years or so at the, at the art um, Academy, the Seattle Academy. Academy. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's so beautiful how you bring your art and your your ability to help others and counsel in just with such how it just comes out so beautifully. And you had touched on embodiment counseling, Maureen, and how you can help others um, with some of their trauma or fears. By focusing on that inward to out, please share with us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I think um, I think we're at a point in our evolutionary process where we have a lot of privilege. We we're not for most of us, you know. Thank you. I'm so grateful that I'm not in survival mode. Many yes. people are. But those of us are not have this privilege to learn what's ha- to apply what's been happening in th- there's a big change in the field of psychology. 
and it really has to do with embodiment and in, and kind of bypassing the mind in order to reach trauma and find it in our own bodies where it is stored energetically, which eventually kind of can move out into illness or neuroses or different um, psychological or physical problems or emotional problems. Um, and that's not always the case, but um, we, we're, we're kind of designed not to pay attention to our body signals that is telling us there's an energy block, if you will. So everything, we can all agree that everything comes from nothing. It cycles up, fulfills its potential, and then goes back to nothing again. Whether it's a thought or an emotion or a body or a planet, this we can all agree on. There's longer cycles and shorter cycles and cycles within the cycles. And with trauma, that cycle, all that's happened is that cycle has gotten interrupted before it's fulfilled its potential and been able to go back to one to no thing. So there's some form of a no. With a child, for example, there's maybe the child is overwhelmed with fear and emotions. And so it's very adaptive. The psyche puts an energetic no around it and it gets tucked away into the unconscious. And then we're no longer aware of it. Um, But it's still kind of there. And so embodiment helps us to go in and find where we're holding that in our body. And it often will turn out with as a place maybe we're having some chronic conditions in my hip or my knee or, um, you know, why do I suddenly have anxiety? I've never had that before in my life. It can be a myriad of different things. So um, when we... We're, we're, we're just kind of bombarded with busyness and things to do from the outside world and getting our list done and getting the kids to school and cleaning up the house or, you know, having that meeting with the boss. It's one thing after the other and we're yes. go, 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 go. And that's living from the outside in and we need to we need to function in the world and that's fine, but I think we've gotten a little out of and we're, yes. we're, we're skipping over ourselves and we're skipping over our own, this amazing body we've been given. It's such a complex and refined feedback system. The intelligence is beyond what our mind can, can grok really. And we're ignoring, we get these very loud yeses and very loud noes and very loud maybes all the time. But we're skipping over it because we're focused on the outside and we're kind of um, taught in this culture to not pay attention to what's 
happening in our body and these more um, subtle s- signals like that tightness. And for me, my nose often show up in my diaphragm, but it could be the hair on the back of your neck or a weight on your chest or a pain, chronic pain in your neck that acts up. And yeses are often inspiration or a, a levity and a lightness of being or joy or um, just a big yes. Maybe it doesn't have words. It's just a sensation in our subtle feeling. And then our maybes are, you know, not neither of those two. And to pay attention that, oh, I my body, I don't feel like it's ready to have an answer right now. And that's okay. Maybe more information is needed or the timing is not quite right. Right. And as humans, we have trouble being in that great, great area because we're trained that we have to know and we have to. So this whole embodiment movement um, is helping us to come back in, to pay attention and to bypass the mind, um, which can really, it has these guards that protect us from those old traumas or wounds, or maybe not so old, and it won't let us get there. And that's why therapy can take so long. It's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and um, I'm a big advocate of that, and I wish everybody could have that privilege to experience a good counselor. Um, But the embodiment is really uh, leapfrogging the effectiveness and the efficiency of healing our traumas. And it really has to do with getting in our bodies. And that means feeling your feet, feeling your legs, feeling your knees. And a trained therapist can take you through to find following the physical sensations, learning that they're not just a pain or an itch, that it's actually your own consciousness trying to get your attention and probably has been trying to get your attention for a very long time, oftentimes, I should say. And so we follow them in. Did you want to say something? I just wanted to say that listening to our bodies is something that is it's so hard to take time in our busy days, like you were saying. And I love how you're inspiring us to just take a moment and really kind of be more inward so that we can be our, you know, healthy, well-being selves. So thank you for sharing that. But please continue. No, it's just fascinating. We're going to take a quick break in a few seconds, but we'd love to wrap up on that. Yeah, that's, um, so when we are in, in our body and we're feeling and sensing, we're not thinking, we're focused. And I, as a counselor, will be asking questions to keep the, keep the person sensing and feeling. Okay, so if you have this heaviness on your chest, what if it was a thing, what would it be? Does it have a color? Okay, now, since we know it's really not as it appears, but really your consciousness, your own intelligence or higher intelligence, one might say, let's let it 
what would happen if you let it get out of the way of the no, the contraction, and just let it crush your chest and see what happens because they're often paper tigers. And then what often happens is it starts to move. Maybe it turns from stone to liquid and then it starts to flow or maybe they start seeing a color and now it's water and it's going down my shoulders and out my arms. And in this way, energetically, the trauma is released from the nervous system. And we know now through science that it is stored in the nervous system and that it can be released energetically. And all these embodiment, new embodiment therapies that are arising are helping people dramatically um, improve their lives and clear post-traumatic stress and all sorts of wounds that carry false belief and, and usually negative um, statements about the self that really aren't, are just aren't true. Yes, and we are so grateful to you, Maureen, for helping so many people with this and through this. And thank you for sharing a little bit more about that and the importance of slowing down and really listening to our bodies. When we come back after the break, we're going to chat a little bit more with Maureen about some learnings from other cultures we touched on a bit. But... um, even like the Hawaiian culture and some of the good stories that that the Hawaiians share right after the break. So please join us. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are sharing amazing stories with Maureen Thompson, our our special guest today. We've been talking about let's take a moment and how to slow down in life and how that's important and listen to our bodies and, and make sure that we kind of look a little bit 
inward and then possibly outward. And we were just going to talk with Maureen a little bit more about learning from other cultures. Uh, we touched on that a little bit in the first segment, but um, in Hawaii, there's a lot of learning that's passed on throughout the generations. And Maureen and I had um, just a wonderful experience to attend during the full moon this last Saturday called Twilight Talk Story at the Manalani Resort here on the Big Island. And every time there's a full moon, people from the community get together and they share stories and there's often hula and some songs. So uh, that was just wonderful. And it's all about taking a moment. Maureen, if you could share with us um, some of the, the special lessons that the, the Twilight Talk Story shared with us that evening. Yeah, that was such a lovely evening. It was so peaceful. Um, I love the way things are slowed down in Hawaii. And what I noticed at the beaches, um, we went to some local beaches and parks, is that there's families gathered and extended families, and they really utilize the beaches and the park and get out in nature to take a moment and be together. Simple. There's no entertainment. There's no, in these picnics, there's no TV or electronic entertainment, I should say. But there, there's so much um, soul, if you will, in it or depth and resonance with my body personally because they're making their own music. They're, there's usually a ukulele and other instruments and singing and the maybe the hula, you know, and the Twilight Talk story. That was just so beautiful. They had a woman come down from the mountain who comes from a family of cowboys and how she was raised on a horse and herding cattle and life on the on the ranch and um, how important these stories are in many indigenous cultures and I saw it very alive in the Hawaiian culture that's telling the story of their grandfather and great grandmother and great great grandmother and how before they even start to tell the story they introduce themselves by naming many of their ancestors and giving thanks before they tell their ancestors stories. It's a beautiful thing, the way they honor the ancestors and take a moment to, to have gratitude for that. And, and the stories are, are full of wisdom, of course, and often about special moments where it was about where we connected with each other or where, you know, when my cousin and I truck broke down and we were stuck up on old Grandpa Ulali's ranch and we didn't leave for five days. We were having so much fun. And when <laughs> I got home, my mom said, what took you so long? And they were like, oh, yeah, we got detained a little. And it was no big deal. Um, there's a when we slow down, we can be in flow, is what I was reminded from that story. And we don't miss out on this 
this richness of being connected to each other and to nature. I know connecting to nature is a big part of their culture. And the talk story night was held on the ocean and on the full moon. It's always on the full moon. So they're honoring the cycles of nature. And I really appreciate that. They're not separate from nature. They're taking a moment to appreciate the water and bless the water and the turtles and the dolphins and the whales. And they there's such honor in their culture. They're honoring all things in nature. And it's like this, this bowing that happens that keeps them very humble and joyful. With that humility, I think I'm noticing with many indigenous cultures, comes a real twinkle in the eye and a joy. Absolutely. And I thought it was really interesting that the local knowledge that had been passed down throughout the generations of when not to go in the water because a certain if a certain tree is blooming that is the time you avoid going into the water it was just this special thing that they had passed down because if you go into the water you're risking maybe there might be some sharks or something and and that was really interesting how they shared that i couldn't remember exactly the the name of the tree but that was fascinating how they pass these things along. And uh, it's it's a lot of wisdom, definitely. And thank you so much for sharing the story of Twilight Talk Story as well as it was such an honor to be there with you on that evening. Mm. You've, had, <laughs> you've had some incredible travels in your life, Maureen. And um, I know you have made it to India and um, maybe even possibly South America. But please share with us maybe... Yeah. Uh, Favorite memory from one of your travels, please? Oh, wow. There's so many. Oh, so many. I feel so blessed to have been able to travel this beautiful earth and see these, this, the beauty in nature is astounding. Um, well, actually, one of the most wonderful things I've done is I sold my house here in Seattle and I bought a small 22-foot RV. And I've been traveling through California and mostly through the Southwest. And I did that for four months in the springtime. And it was an amazing experience. In Sedona, uh, you could park on the Bureau of Land Management land. You could camp there for free. And I had heard about this. And um, since I didn't want to schedule and make reservations at an RV park, I thought I'd try that. And I was so surprised at how beautiful this land was. And to wake up in the desert, sunrise, and be out there with hardly any people around and that level of quiet and the stars at night and I wasn't paying anything and I had everything I needed on my back. I felt like a turtle and there was this profound freedom that I had never experienced before and that first night I went to sleep in the desert, I felt this 
I don't know how to describe it. It was like these cords or chains is a little heavy, but like these cords of constriction, like dissolving. Mm. And they were, when I felt into it, in my meditation, it was like all these rules and shoulds and um, false beliefs and uh, and then that that with being able to just pick up and go as I wanted and I would learn that um, a woman traveling alone, you know, how will I keep myself, I was afraid, how will I keep myself safe and it took all my courage to do this trip. And I learned how, you know, and that altogether, it was so empowering and so free. It was really very simple. I just made sure if I was going to a new location that I'd get there with plenty of daylight. So if I didn't feel comfortable at all, it didn't even have to be logical. If my body was telling me something's not right, I'm not comfortable, then I would leave and get a hotel if, if necessary yes. and um, and there was in the Bureau of Land Management the BLM land you could go out off by yourself to little isolated campsites but there was always a a circle up area and it was reminded me of when the pioneers would circle their wagons and I always went there because I felt safer in a group and I would meet so many people, you know, maybe someone's having a campfire and they invite you over for co- yes. cup of coffee to take a moment. or Exactly. Or, yes, or to tell, and it was storytelling time. And I met people from all walks of life and um, writers and artists and maybe someone just going through a divorce who would kind of was on a road trip to kind of, you know, assimilate their new life and release what was no longer needed and to find out who they are as an individual now. And the stories, people, it was magical the way people would open up and we'd all share and share in our humanity and our vulnerability and our truth and be able to share in our hearts something about that freedom was conducive to that. And I think also something about sitting in a circle is conducive to that around a campfire. There's, it's egalitarian. There's no one on a pedestal or with a microphone. We're all just people here. We're not in our uniforms or our jobs or, um, so yeah, profound freedom that gave me a perspective, uh, that has changed me forever. That's an amazing trip. Oh, Maureen, really amazing. And just that circle time. And thank you for sharing. And I know that how you balance your days and how you manage to slow down is something that is very inspiring for all of us between your yoga, your gardening, taking walks, your art, your music and concerts, and spending time with your wonderful nieces and nephews and your family. As we close here, what would you say, like words of wisdom in just a few seconds, for someone to take steps, to take a moment, how how that might look? What would you recommend? Well, one way is... If there's beautiful music, 
that really calms you, that you just don't do anything else, but just sit, close your eyes, maybe lay down, and give yourself that gift of enjoying the beauty of life, taking in that sweetness of life, because it brings you into the present moment, and it actually elicits all sorts of healing to happen on many levels in our bodies. Something you enjoy. Yoga is wonderful. Um, if you're not a meditator, you can try different guided meditations. It's a wonderful way. Or a meditation to put you asleep at night. That's how I started. And I made it a habit. And... Um, Inviting a friend over to take a moment, have a cup of coffee, coffee, and be practice being giving someone your undivided attention, not thinking about what you need to say, or yes. or just being really present. Yes, it's such it's, a gift, and to it's yourself such a gift. That. And thank you for for all your words of wisdom and. Maureen, we've been so honored to have you with us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Thank you for sharing how we can take a moment. Oh, we're so grateful to you. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. We're we're so happy we can have this time together. Of course, if you have more questions, we love continuing the conversation. You can always email us at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And at anikona.com, we always have our 15% gift. Thank you for sharing today the importance of taking a moment, sharing moments together over a cup of coffee, slowing down, being present, sharing, listening from the heart, inward out, and having gratitude. Thank you, Maureen, again. And listeners, wonderful week to you and a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week. <laughs>